0: Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to my podcast, My Love of Life Energy. And this is another interview in my series from the writers of The Story of the Muses. And today, I have really the great honor of talking with um, Jenny Lindhorst. And it is, it's really a privilege, Jenny. Welcome so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I um, Jenny is one of those writers, when you hear her work, um, Jules Swale said it best, you could listen to it all day long. It reminds me of Ann Patchett or something like that. Somebody who writes so, I don't know, it's like, like the beauty, the simple beauty and mystery of life. And I'm wondering, you've been writing for a long time. Is that true?
1: I have, yes. Um, I've been really studying the craft of writing um, for about 20 years now Um, and just started publishing, um, gosh, I guess back in like 2010 uh, was when I first started publishing. And my first book was published in 2011 and my second book around 2013. And I'm trying really hard to compile another book of poetry. I have so much um, from these years and hoping that to get going on that more in the fall.
0: What do you love about writing?
1: Writing has always been my way of capturing the moments in my life. And that's what I love about poetry, because poetry to me are snapshots. Um, And Mm -hmm. They're snapshots of my life and a way for me to document. And what I find um, is that the best poems are looking at our ordinary human moments, but finding the extraordinary in it. And to me, that's, that's what I try to do and capture in my poems and what I try to do with my poetry therapy clients, which is um, my job and I have a practice in that and that's what makes it healing. So for me, that's the healing part of it is I think I, I write more to work out what is extraordinary about my moments, um, and to work through pain and light and all of it on the page. And the container of the poem has been the right fit for me.
0: Oh my God! I love how do you that's so fascinating to work through the pain through poetry?
1: Absolutely. yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's that's how I fell into the career of poetry therapy, was that first and foremost, I knew that poetry, especially reading other people's poems, Um, it's where you find yourself, you find yourself less alone, you can find lines that absolutely speak to your soul. Um, And um, it's a way for you to use that as inspiration for your own writing, whether you're even just journaling, which is how I've always written before I started the craft of poetry. My grandmother was a poet. Um, That's how I think I fell into Um, The love of poetry and kind of fell into this career as well. And I used her book that was very autobiographical. And she didn't start writing until her 60s. And her collected poems um, were all about being a woman and aging. Um, And I stumbled into reading that book with a group of seniors at a retirement home in between jobs. And instinctively had the residents write in response um, to lines in her poem um, and then to write about their lives. And the director was like, you need to be doing this for a living. And I pivoted and started, created a whole course and then ultimately went on to get certified and in poetry therapy and start my own practice. But um, she really gave me the inspiration. But I had journaled my whole life. I mean, I remember as a teenager, song lyrics were so important to me and I consider that to be poetry. And I would just obsess over lyrics and and write from them. And um, in a sense, that's the exact process of poetry therapy is finding yourself in a poem and then writing in response. And then looking at that for the therapeutic value.
0: Wow, wow! What's your favorite? What are your favorite poems? I'm just curious. Oh gosh, what's there's so many.
1: What's um, one, one that's, that, that's standing out to me right now that I keep using over and over with clients is um, Stanley Kuntz's "The Layers." Um, it it's just it's mind blowing. Um, I love David White. um, A lot, a lot of Mary Oliver. Um, I mean, obviously, most people know wild geese. That's one of my favorites. Um, You know, I'm, I'm always leaning into old favorite poems that depending on what I'm going through in my life right now, I can read a poem and it means something to me each time. But it, it gives me a path. Uh, you know, certain lines will speak to me and, and help me map my way out of whatever it is that I'm struggling with.
0: Oh, my God. So it's like the poem gives you the road out of your struggles.
1: Yes. And it gives you the way in to find that in your own voice. And that's what I do with my clients is, you know, I'll put an accessible poem in front of you and say like, what lines, where are you in this? And depending on what lines they bring up, we, I listen intently and feedback what they're saying and get them almost writing through the discussion. And it's amazing the insights that will come forward just from a line in a poem and then have them go write and then read it more for therapeutic value. I mean, they will ultimately get product, but we don't, you know, those are different. I teach poetry as well and do editing um but when i have my poetry therapy hat on um you know that's a different process
0: and i just can't i mean i i imagine people i can see the healing because people feel something they feel the line that touches them or the yes. pain or the energy that they haven't been able to be with and then they're able to transform or find another way of looking at it that transform it is that correct
1: yeah, but it's through their own writing. Um, yeah. the, the poem is just the catalyst. And to me, yeah. it's the doorway that is so powerful. I mean, it's one of the um, under the umbrella of art therapies. Um, it's also called bibliotherapy, journal therapy, but poetry therapy, it's about the poem that you put in front of them and then their own writing in response to it. But to me, no matter what's going on in someone's mind and consciousness, whatever they're struggling with, they will find it no matter what poem I put in front of them, but they'll find a way in through the poem. And I mean, it's amazing. People will start crying immediately um, sometimes because it's just so powerful how quickly we get to what is needing to be peeled back.
0: God, it just seems like such a reverence for a place of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Different forms. So I'm so curious, how did you come across Jules and the method writing?
1: Yeah, so I've been studying method writing for about 20 years. Um, I mean, this has been the main way that I have studied craft. Um, When I was getting certified in poetry therapy, you have to have all sorts of hours and background knowledge and literature and poetry. And I started to study with my first teacher in method writing, Stella Sue Lee. And I studied with her for about 12 years and I still work with her. She's my editor and she started a small press that published my first two books. But she, in those first 12 years, we were studying method writing. She studied with Jack Grapes for oh, decades. Um, so she was my initial first teacher. And we went all the way through all the, the levels like we're doing um, through the muses and the poets and all of it. Um, and, you know, then I took a big break where I was publishing a lot and studying in other groups. And I guess it was a a friend, a colleague of mine from graduate school, Neha, who's one of the authors in here. uh, Suddenly, we were in touch. Uh, We both have our master's in spiritual psychology together from uh, USM. And she was saying that she had stumbled upon this teacher, Jules, that um, was teaching um, method writing and teaching slightly different than Stella Sue had taught. And I just decided with a friend, Mari, who you know from class, um, that she wanted to start at a, as a beginner. And I said, you know, I think I want to go back and do it again. And I want to do it from a beginner's mind. And so I just surrendered to the process. And through this, um, doing it a second time, I'm now really experimenting with my voice on doing longer pieces, doing more personal essay-like prose writing. And um, in the Muse book, uh, these are the first prose poems that I've published. So much longer sentences, uh, longer pieces. And it's been so inspiring and, and freeing for me to be a beginner again. And I've taken a big break from submitting and pub and getting, publishing my poems, um, and really just let myself play with my voice. And I've loved it. It's, it's really gotten me through the pandemic for sure.
0: And, and I'm so like you're my hero right now. I mean absolute hero. But to, to somebody who um, who's that accomplished to go back and start over and learn again? I mean it's, it, it's, um, it's inspiring, really inspiring. Well, thank you.
1: I, I mean I, I tell you know, when I work with people with editing and publishing, and, and new writers, you know, I, I often will tell them, you know, for me, it's important that I am always in some sort of class myself, not teaching, but being the student. And so that's how I keep myself writing. And um, so I'm always taking courses. And I mean, I'm collecting continuing education too for, you know, my, um, for my practice and my certification. But, um, but it's how I, I keep writing and it fuels me. I mean, it heals me. It's, it's what I need. So I always recommend to writers, um, you know, to always be in some sort of group that's keeping you accountable and keeping you writing.
0: Well, the, the other thing that I'm seeing is, is that there, I would think there's such a freshness. Is that true? Uh,
1: in starting over?
0: Yeah, and just or, even by being in it, that you're always fresh. Like you're, you're always, always looking fresh. at something new.
1: Yes, and and it, and it keeps your skills alive. Um, you know, I mean, you're you're constantly working on your techniques and trying to push yourself to a new a, a new ex- expansion as a writer. I mean, I feel like my next step is one the personal essays that there may be a collection. Um, that is both poetry and longer essays Um, and I look forward to doing Jules this character class because I mean who knows maybe I'll write a short story I mean I I don't see me jumping to a novel Um, but you know I think those are the increments that you take as a writer is that you're challenging yourself to try new forms so it does keep you fresh and it keeps you for those of us that are teaching I mean, when I teach poetry and I have a poetry curriculum that um, I taught in the schools for six years and is now being piloted, I'm training teachers to now teach it. And, um, you know, it keeps you fresh as a facilitator when you are constantly taking workshops um, on your own craft. So I'm, I'm always collecting new techniques that I want to put in front of my adult groups or my private clients or You know, there's such a mix in in what I do with poetry. So, um, yeah, it keeps me very fresh.
0: How do you hold, um, I'm curious what mastery looks like to you.
1: Mastery in craft or mastery as a facilitator?
0: In craft.
1: Um, Mastery in craft to me looks like always producing first drafts in the freest of forms, and then taking the responsibility to learn how to edit and to know that editing is writing. And, you know, like they say, writing is rewriting, that I have particular steps. And when I work with, you know, new uh, poets, and teaching them that, you know, you can't just send something out in a first draft there are layers of editing that is the craft. You're constantly looking to elevate your language. You're looking at things that are considered abstractions. Um, you know, like if you were to say, I felt lonely, uh, you know, it, that is something that needs to be elevated. It needs It's the showing, not the telling. So, you know, first step is going back and marking everything where you're telling instead of showing and, and layering in poetry, layering uh, the poetics, right? Where, you know, what metaphor or what images can be used here? How can I bring in my senses? Um, all the techniques that we learned in method writing, definitely for changing the tonality. But, you know, mastery is understanding that for, there's poems that are getting published. Um, you, it, it's about making it sparse. Uh, uh, you know, in, in what is, what is left behind. Every sentence needs to matter. Every word needs to matter. And when you get to that final draft, Mm. you have done all of that work and, um, you know, you're, you're getting to the heart of what you're saying. You're cutting the fat, uh, around it and you're constantly elevating it and you're working on your beginnings and your endings and, um, just there's stages to a piece that I think is, is what I call mastery and I'm still working on it. Um, it's so much easier for me to work on uh, another poet's editing and help guide them through that than to do it on my own. But another part of mastery is knowing the right people to have around you that are helping you with your work. Like I, Stella Sue is still my first editor. I put things in front of. And then I have someone else that helps me um, take a last look and helps me find the right places to submit the literary journals and the magazines. I've done that research on my own, but I've learned that I'm too busy and I need to spend some money and hire somebody else to help me do that piece. So, you know, there's a rhythm of real mastery and I struggle with it, but I at least know how
0: (laughs) I'm so curious. How has your practice of writing impacted how you live your life? Oh,
1: I think you know. Um, I don't know if you know Brene Brown, but I teach yeah. with her concepts a lot, and uh, she asks you to come up with your core values. And one of my core values is creativity, and I know that I have to be doing that. I have to be. Um, flexing that muscle somehow it's expanded into other things like cooking and, uh, doing mixed media art and bringing in words from my poems onto canvas, but anything like that, where I can lose myself and writing is that. So I think writing, you know, it's, it's helped me show up in my life. Um, it helps me process what it is that I'm struggling with as I'm constantly putting things on the page, whether they become a poem or not, um, it keeps me accountable uh, for my process and for my inner work. And I think that ripples into parenting, my marriage, my commitment to my work and my students. If I'm asking this of my of my students and my clients, I need to take my own medicine, you
0: know? There, there, um, what strikes me is, you know, Sid Banks, I don't know if you know, I don't know that you're a three peer or not three principals.
1: I'm not, I mean, no. I know a little okay. bit about it, but bit. Jules, you know, has, she also has the master's in spiritual psychology. And I, I want to say that it's in the same realm of consciousness work.
0: But he has a quote about finding a great teacher and what you, um, you know, you look at the teacher, the person who's teaching you, and what you exemplify to me is a great teacher because you embody you embody your work, your talk. Like what you say and what you do are such alignment. Yeah,
1: and I think that's so important if you're going to be a facilitator of a teacher, a mentor, um, in some way that you have to actively be doing that work as well.
0: That's so interesting. And so how is being a master? What is? Is there anything different in being a master facilitator? Because you, you hold two roles. I think they're
1: similar in some ways that, you know, you're constantly taking workshops and, and staying current and relevant. And um, with how things are changing, you know, I teach for UCLA Arts and Healing. I teach there. Um, they do it certificate program in social emotional arts and people come from all over the world to get certified in best practices of each art form and so I do the poetry training but they also get trained in uh, movement therapy and visual art therapy and music therapy and and how to go back to the populations that they're working with and you know they're constantly UCLA Arts and Healing is constantly giving me Updates on trainings in diversity, um, uh, equity, and inclusion, and um, you know, uh, working with the LGBTQ community and and it, it, you know, all of that's part of mastery and how we communicate and how we stay current with the times and um, trauma informed communication. Like all of that is so current right now and. So I think mastery as a facilitator is that you're constantly um, training yourself so that uh, you're communicating in the best possible way.
0: It seems to be what you're always doing is expanding your consciousness. What more can you see? Is that accurate?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, And I think that comes from ultimately me getting into psychology and counseling and spiritual psychology. And it's a, it's a bigger thing in my family. I mean, my husband is certified to he's has the master's degree in spiritual psychology, got it before me. And it's just a part of our, our marriage. Um, How we show up in the world is that you can't look outward Uh, and blame. Uh, We are all going to go through phases of our lives. And it's, I I believe strongly, it's our responsibility to be working our process, whatever that means. Um, But really looking at the choices and the beliefs that, that I'm holding um, in my life. And to me, that's, that's expanding my consciousness and doing the work instead of projecting it outward Um, you know, I mean, if you work with marriages, uh, and I have, I'm in a very long marriage, it's, it's so important to be working on ourselves. Um, so
0: that's kind of all
1: that, (laughs) you know, pulled together.
0: Do you experience, I, I, this is going to be a really strange question, but what I feel is that you guys must experience more love in your marriage.
1: I think so. I mean, that's one of the great things that I love to write about. I mean, if people read my work, so much of it is about marriage and it's about those ordinary moments that are truly extraordinary. Uh, like I said before, same with parenting. Um, I'm still so very much in love with my husband after 25 years and we've been through so much together. And I think that um, it it. Uh yeah, when you work that hard and you have two people that um believe in taking responsibility like that, there is fruit. It there are blossoms that come from that. And we've we do the work and we've been through a lot of crises together. Um and it's beautiful to be this far along and to feel the way that I do about him.
0: Wow. People would give their right arm to feel the way that you feel.
1: (laughs) I feel blessed that I think we made a good choice in finding each other, but I do think that there's a lot of work that takes place in strong marriages.
0: All right. So what's your practice for writing? What do you do every day? I wouldn't
1: say it's every day. I, you know, I'm one of those people who have struggled for 20 years to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write something every day. And Of course, I try that over and over again. But um, like I said, my real process is always being in some sort of class. So like with method writing, um, I am not one of those that writes every day, whatever the exercise is. I take a lot of time to really process what the exercise is and a lot of thinking about it. um, And until it it comes uh, onto the page and then I will spend probably four or five hours total, but spaced out over a period of days on one piece and really immersing the exercise. Now, Jules would be like, that's not what I want you to do, you know? Um, But for me, that's, what I do. And then, um, it's about typing it up. And that's when I elevate some of the language a little bit and do some internal editing. I would say, uh, I'm a handwriter first and then type it up. And then, um, like I have notebooks that could fill my office and I write in these big, uh, spiral notebooks. And, um, like when we take a break, This summer, um, I plan on going back through all the notebooks, typing up things that has something in it um, and then doing the editing, like really switching from writing to editing and pulling the poems out of the pieces or the essays and getting a group together that I can then go to my first editor and we have a session and then I keep working on them. And then ultimately the game is to then start submitting them so that they can find a home before you put together a collection of a book. But mm. you know, I I write and it's always really based on um, what class I'm in, but I also write with my poetry therapy groups. I will say that. Um, so I have two groups. I have a day group and an evening group that meets once a month. And there's this, I take them through the poetry therapy process and we all write for like 20 to 30 minutes in the group and then share, I write with them. So I am doing that process as well. And um, I always give them an optional homework exercise that I also complete. So there's a lot of product being generated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For somebody who doesn't have a practice, you have a very, uh, I just was curious. Um, so, Danielle, how do they? how do people find you? We're coming to the end, which I can't believe, but okay. how do people find and be blessed by what you're going through in life?
1: So you can find me through my website, um, and it's lifespeakspoetrytherapy.com, all one word, and that's probably the best way uh, to find me, and you can contact me through there. Um, I do have a Life Speaks Facebook page, but my website has um, everything you know, you could want, um, and you can purchase my books through my website. They're also available on Amazon. Um, yeah.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really have just loved this. You're welcome.